Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. I feel like I'm a stranger in here. Um, uh, I'm currently the interim student minister here at Palmetto. Barry left. He, he'd been here six years, served very faithfully to our church, and um, I'm serving as his interim. I was a uh, student here in the student ministry uh, throughout all my years, and um, we were very blessed to have him, and I'm serving right now as the interim. Uh, to keep the seat warm for the next guy that God calls to Palmetto. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Um, how encouraging it must be for Jimmy to be able to go and see his own son um, be ordained at a church, uh, especially the size of uh, Crossroads. Um, Exodus 19. You revive me, you revive me, Lord, and all my deserts are rivers of joy. You are the treasure I could not afford, so I'll spend myself till I'm empty and poor. All for you, you revive me. Lord, I've seen your goodness and I know the way you are. Give me eyes to see you in the dark. And your face shines a glory that I only know in part. And there's still a longing, a longing in my heart. You revive me, you revive me, Lord. And all my deserts are rivers of joy. You are the treasure I could not afford, so I'll spend myself till I'm empty and poor. All for you, you revive me. My soul is thirsty, only you can satisfy. You are the well that will never run dry. And I'll praise you for the blessing, for calling me your friend. And in your name I'm lifting, I'm lifting up my hands. You revive me, you revive me, Lord, and all my deserts are rivers of joy. You are the treasure I could not afford, so I'll spend myself till I'm empty and poor. All for you, you revive me, Lord. I'm alive, I'm alive, you breathe on me, you revive me. I'm alive, I'm alive, you breathe on me, and you revive me. I'm alive, I'm alive, you breathe on me. And you revive me. I'm alive, I'm alive. You breathe on me. And you, Lord, revive me. One more time. I'm alive, I'm alive. You breathe on me. And Lord, you revive me. You revive me, Lord. And all my deserts are rivers of joy. You are the treasure I could not afford. So I'll spend myself till I'm empty and poor. All for you. You revive me, Lord. During this time in our church, we are in a season of revival. It started Ash Wednesday, February 22nd, and it's going to go through Tuesday, May 1st. Um, If you're unfamiliar with what's going on and you're visiting with us, we started um, with a day of prayer. And then we have a devotion book that is written from several, several of our members here at Palmetto. And we all uh, combined it all together and made a, a devotion book for this time of revival in our church. And then we had a revival uh, services uh, March 4th through the 7th, this, uh, previously this month, uh, on, a, on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and a Wednesday night. 
and Re- Reuben Smith came, and um, it, it was it was a well attended, and it was it was a it was a great great services, and I, I was blessed to be a part of them, um, and I'm sure you were too. Uh, and then we're going to have, and then th- th- the messages during this time are going to talk about fire. Uh, during during uh, the time, the first revival in, the, in, the, in this last revival period that we'll have towards the end of April. And that'll go until May 1st. Um, revival uh, is defined as, by our pastor, as the, uh, the visible moving of God among a specific group of people in a specific place for an indefinite period of time, changing the lives of those people. That song uh, that I just w- uh, talked, uh, the so- song that I just spoke, is from a, a conference that I went to in January. And um, five, uh, uh, me and five other college students my age went, and we enjoyed it. It was, it was a blessing to be at. And, um, but I didn't, I didn't think about the song until the, until the album came out from that conference a few weeks ago. And the song revived me. It says, Revive me, Lord, and all my deserts are rivers of joy because of you, because you revived me. What more appropriate song could we uh, talk about or uh, share? What more uh, appropriate song could I share with you this morning? What I want to know is, um, has there ever been a time in your life, I'm not talking about from a day-to-day standpoint, I'm talking about your entire life, where uh, it's been set aside and you feel like, that God revived you, whether it be you asked for it or whether he just uh, awarded you with it and you had no choice but to be revived because he called you to do it, because he had something in mind for you. I want you to think about that time, if you have one, it may be one, two, maybe three or four. To be revived means to bring or be brought back to life, consciousness or strength. To give or assume new validity, flourish again, or to cause to flourish again. To become, or to make or become operative or active again. To bring or come into use. To take up again. To bring or come back to mind. Has there ever been that time in your life where you felt like you were able to operate again because you have been revived? Or you feel like you were brought back to life or consciousness again, or you had the strength that you once had uh, in a spiritual, from a spiritual standpoint, maybe earlier in your life. I was working at Peaks down the road, um, Jack Peaks on Tuesday, and I was helping a customer. It was about three in the afternoon, and I heard this big loud crash outside. And Jack said, somebody's done hit somebody. We got to go see what's going on. And so we all went outside. Some of us went outside and we, uh, oh, I looked around and I didn't see any fluid on the ground. I didn't see anybody hurt. I didn't see any uh, involved vehicles that were stuck out in the middle of the road because they crashed. And so it took me a second to try to soak it in and figure out what had happened. And so I was looking around and I saw this truck. It was an a older, a older model Chevrolet truck, and it had a huge dent in the back of it. And if you know uh, Palmetto real well, if you're headed south towards Noonan, you, uh, the, the cars uh, that are parked at peaks are parked diagonally facing toward, with the rear end facing towards you. And so a car had come by, clipped the back of this truck, and left and didn't come back. And so uh, we found the mirror of that car 
because apparently when it hit it, the mirror flew off. So we had that as evidence. We called the police. They got out there. And in the meantime, we're trying to figure out whose car it is or whose truck it is, right? We want to know whose truck got damaged from uh, the accident. And I'd never rec- I never, I didn't know whose it was. Nobody else knew whose it was. And, um, and so we're waiting around, and we assume it's a guy inside that just hadn't come out yet. Heard the boom, didn't think much about it, and stayed inside. And so the guy finally comes outside, and he is not mad. When he finds out what happens, he's not mad, he's not upset, he's not screaming, pitching a fit, or anything like that. He's just calm, cool, and collected. And I said, man, that's a rare find. People would be ecstatic if, if, if something like that happened to their car. And so I got to talking to this guy while we were waiting on the police to get there and um we, we we got in conversation and he said he grew up in whitesburg and um and i said well i grew up here in palmetto and i said i'm at my home church right now up the street this brick church and uh, i'm currently serving as the interim student minister i grew up in the church and, and i find it a blessing to be there and he said really i said yeah he said well i'm a pastor of a church in carroll county and i thought awesome that's pretty cool so uh uh so we started talking, and he said, how long have you been in the ministry? And I said, well, I felt the call when I was 16, and then um, I felt the call when I was 16, and then uh, when I turned 18, I started serving as an intern here at Palmetto, and then I've gone very uh, other places. But um, he said, oh, okay. He said, I've been in it in 23 years. And I said, all right, that's good. So we started talking, and I'll never pass up an opportunity to speak with somebody who's been in ministry 23 years. It's so encouraging to gain wisdom like that. That's why uh, anytime Chris of Virginia opens their mouth, my ears are wide open, and I want to listen. I want to know how I can build um, uh, my skills as a minister. So we got to talking, and he said, you know what? He opened up a little bit. He said, about 10 years ago, there was a time I was sitting in my church in Indiana. And he said, all I could think about was playing golf the next day. And all I could think about was going to my daughter's games. And all I could think about is all these other things that I want to do or spend my savings on. Or, or all these things were going through his head. And he said, I just fell weak at the knees. And he said, I was trying to prepare for a message, but all these things kept going through my head. And he said, God said to me, you're putting all these things ahead of me. And I need to revive you. You're leading these people. And he said, that was the turning point of my ministry. And I've never been the same since. I've never had the same outlook on ministry. And he said, it's one of those things where I was speechless. I can't, I can't explain it the way that it happened because it was so powerful. And especially coming secondhand from me, um, it's tough to swallow. But there's that time. Moses in Exodus 19 focuses on the instructions that God gives Moses in order to prepare Israel for, the, for his presence at Mount Sinai. So if you have your Bibles open, you can open them to Exodus 19. We'll read the chap- chapter 19. In the third month, after, Israel, after the Israelites left Egypt on the very day, they came to the desert of Sinai and set apart from Rephidim. They entered the, sin, the, uh, excuse me, the, in, they entered the desert of Sinai 
And Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up, to the, went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession." Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be, and you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, these are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Verse seven. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, "We will do everything the Lord has said." So Moses brought back. Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said and the Lord, and the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because until, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the foot shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows, not... Not a hand is to be laid on him. Whether man or animal, he shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. Verse 14. Moses had gone down the mountain to the people. He consecrated them and washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the, third mor- on the morning of the third day, there was, a th- thunder, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very bold trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed like a, billowed up from a, uh, oh, excuse me, the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and, and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn the people so, that, so they do not force their way through to see the Lord. And so many, and, and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will, bro- will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. Verse 24. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come to the Lord or he will break out. Against them, so the Lord, or excuse me, so Moses went to the people and told them, "Let's pray." Father, we, we we adore your word because it's piercing to our souls. Lord, this time is set apart for you, 
in a corporate setting, Lord, uh, with, these, with, with all of us in here, Lord, with fellow worshipers who throughout day after day we think about you, we meditate upon you. And day after day, Lord, we do that and we come here with other worshipers and worship together all at one time. We thank you for that. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your character. Lord, I pray that these next few moments, these next few truths about Exodus 19 will help us grow in our walk with you. And may we gain knowledge about who you are and what you desire and what you look for in us. In your name I pray. Amen. The first truth we find in Exodus 19 is this. God is specific. Verse 1 says, specifically, uh, it sets it apart and says, on the very day. In my translation, it said, in, in the NIV translation, it says uh, three months. Um, if you look more deeper, deeper into it, uh, the translation could translate into the third moon. Some of your Bibles may say the third moon, which translates to about seven weeks. Uh, this coincides with Pentecost, which, among other things, celebrates the giving of law. And uh, if you're familiar with Exodus, Exodus 19 is, is God appearing to the Israelites on the mountain. And then uh, chapter 20 is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And so, in essence, God is preparing these people specifically for the giving of the Ten Commandments and for His presence at Mount Sinai. I'm encouraged to know that uh, God has appointed and, and specifically made certain things here that bring us to a time of revival in our church. One is the people, specific people. God specifically had the Israelites in the desert, specific place, a specific leader, which was Moses, a specific time, and a specific time period between the between the fact uh, between the time that they were rescued out of bondage from Egypt for many many years until the time that God told them that they'll worship on the mountain at Mount Sinai specific time you know I'm sure these people, the Israelites, it was their history, it was their family lineage to be in bondage in Egypt. And so if, you, so if you're an Israelite and you're alive during that time, we can assume that they were relieved. And during that seven-week period, it was almost like, you know, in the summertime when it's 100 degrees outside and it's 100 degrees humidity, and you walk inside and you feel cooled off, you may drink a little water, you may sit down for a second, and, and, and uh, rest a little bit. I'm sure the Israelites may have felt the same way after being in bondage for so long. But God specifically rescued them out of bondage and then specifically seven weeks or the third moon past that, He took them to this mountain and said, I'm going to show myself to you right now. Specific people, specific place, specific time, specific plan. God is both specific on a corporate level and a personal level. Corporate being everyone in here 
And then also on a personal level, when we come to worship, we come to worship God from a personal perspective. And then when we get to the church, when we get to this specific place with these specific people, our specific leaders, God does great things. That's encouraging to know in a corporate setting. The second truth is this. God appoints leaders to guide us. God appointed Moses to go to Pharaoh over and over and over again and say, free my people. I need you to free my people. God's will will not be carried out unless you let go of these people, of my people. If you don't, there's going to be plagues. And then we see earlier in Exodus that uh, ten plagues were brought to Egypt. Awful plagues. And God used Moses to do that. God appointed Moses to do that. Verse 7 refers to the elders of the people. Elders of the people may be older people. It may be people who just want to be involved, who want to assist in carrying out God's plan. Every time Moses would go to the top of the mountain, he would come down, talk to the elders, and the elders would go out and, and on second hand and go out and spread the word. And we have people like that here at this church. Not only does God appoint people to lead us from a staff perspective, they also lead us from a uh, an, uh, maybe elders of the people perspective where we have certain people in the church who feel led to do things and feel appointed by God to carry out upper basketball or carry out certain other uh, missions in the church, the food pantry. These people are appointed leaders to guide us during times of revival. Coming from the perspective of both a staff, a staff, temporary staff member and a member, it's encouraging to know that we have a staff that has truly been appointed by God. Chris, Matt, VA, Dwayne, Paul, um, our organist and pianist, Jill and Dee, and, and, and everyone here, our different committees, God appoints leaders to guide us. And I find it very encouraging that Jimmy, or our pastor, um, I believe with all my heart that God specifically called him to this church back in 2000. I also believe that he specifically was guided and led and sought out to to lead our our, uh, revival back in 2002. And I believe with all my heart, now that it's more in my face, that he has led us here. He has accepted God's call and led us here in this revival. And week after week after week, he says, let God revive you. We're in this time of revival. Many people, leaders of our church, have sought after it. Congregation members have sought after it. Let God revive you. And he says that in his messages. And I believe that God says it through him specifically. And it's so encouraging that our pastor, Jimmy Orr, obeys God's leading and God's guidance for our church. The third truth is this. God is looking to reward us. In verses 4 through 6, you don't have to put it up on the screen, but I'll read it for you again. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. It's powerful, isn't it? 
Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Our God... Many of you in here have a lot more wisdom than I do. I'm probably one of the youngest people in here besides the children. I'm 22. Many of you know that our God isn't a God that gives us laws and commands and asks us to do things and sends His presence and His Spirit in our lives, in our church, among our people. And He doesn't do it just to tell us, you know, Here's what I need you to do. This is what I've called you to do. This is what I want you to do. And God doesn't just say, all right, that's what I gave you. You're going to do what you want to do anyway. So you're on your own. Our God does not do that. Our God gives us laws and commands, and He may send, uh, He may intervene that we're about to talk about in, uh, in a minute in a special way, because He wants to reward us. God is looking to reward us. He gives us commands. He may give us laws. He may give. Uh, 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 he may intervene in our life, in our lives, but He's looking to reward us for it when we respond, when we obey. When we seek out God with all that we are and say, God, revive us. When there's times in our life when our eyes are, when we feel like our, we can't see, there's darkness in our lives, and we're stretching out our arms, and we're seeking after God, saying, God, I need you, help me, revive me. He wants to reward you for that, and He does reward you for that. The fourth truth is this, God intervenes by surprise. If you put yourself in the Israelite shoes, you could just imagine the way they felt when they get to the desert of Sinai and they're sitting there and Moses goes up to the mountain and they're waiting on Moses and then Moses comes down and says, prepare yourselves for the next two days because God is going to show up. And so day one, they set aside their routine so they can focus on what God, what they feel like that God wants them to do. They do that the first day and the second day. They go to bed the second night. And if you remember what it's like, or maybe some of you experience this now, if there's a big day the next day, you have a hard time going to sleep because uh, there's so much racing through your mind and you don't quite know how to handle things. And you're trying to control your mind. You're trying to say, okay, mind, stop. I'm going to stop thinking about this. Um, kind of like what I did last night, right? Uh, my, <laughs> we, um, we do that. And so you can just imagine what it was like for the Israelites because in front of this huge mountain, which may be more than likely to them was intimidating because God has promised that he's going to show up the next day. So they get up and they hear thunder and lightning and they see lightning. And was once a clear mountain, view of the mountain is now smoke. And then they hear a trumpet blast that gets louder and louder and louder and louder until Moses finally says, God, we're here. Your people are here. What do you need? 
And all these things, the thunder and the lightning and the smoke and the fire and the trumpet blast, these are all the consistent, constant reminders to the Israelites that God desires to revive them and that God appointed Moses specifically in a specific place, specific time to carry out what he needed to be done. The Lord is preparing Moses and teaching Moses, instructing Moses to prepare the Israelites for God's presence at Mount Sinai. In order for us to prepare for God's movement here in our lives from a personal standpoint and uh, therefore in the life of our church, we must ask God to revive us. God, this desert in my heart, I want it to be rivers of joy. Lord, we, we, we seek you out. We want to revive you. Our soul is thirsty and God, only you can satisfy. There's a longing in our heart for you, Lord. We'll praise you for the blessings that we can call you our friend. These next few moments are going to be a time of invitation. If you've never joined, a, if, if, if you're looking to join a church, Palmetto Baptist is a great place to be. We have a blended church. We have blended services. We have, uh, diff- we have uh, a thriving uh, children's ministry. And uh, we're going to have a very thriving student ministry. Not that it's not already thriving. It is a little bit. I can't, you know, I'm, in a, I'm putting myself in a bad situation, I guess. But uh, it's a great church, great student ministry, great senior adult ministry. Um, it's a great place to be. If, the, if you feel like that God is calling you to be revived during this revival period and you need to lay something at the altar, you can do that this morning. Or if there's been a time in your life where you've never accepted Christ and you don't know what it's like to be revived and you need to be revived for the very, very first time, then now is a great time to do it. I'm going to pray. Lord, Lord, we praise you for bringing us here to this specific place with these specific people, with these specific leaders. And Lord, we glorify you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Lord, there's just times in our life where there's so much darkness and so much seeking out on your part, us. And Lord, we're just dormant. We're dead. Our life, our soul is like a desert, Lord. Create in us a clean heart, God. Don't cast us away from your presence. Create a live spirit within us, Lord. A fountain of joy. River of joy, Lord. We love you and we praise you for all you do for us. Amen.